0: Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube, and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. <laughs>
1: All right. So what's up, Vosh's audience? I've been uh, spending my whole morning studying you, Vosh. Uh, I've listened to you quite a bit before, but I did like a crash course on you and your your views and your ideology. So I think we'll have plenty to talk about.
0: <clears throat> uh, yeah, thank you. You know, I uh, I try my best to put my, uh, my good foot forward. So hopefully I didn't look too bad. Uh, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Hit them up. Name uh, uh, things of interest, yeah. social media pronouns, so on.
1: Uh, My name is uh, Dylan Volk. Uh, I uh, sometimes go by dial-on, but uh, Dylan Volk seems to be the the move now. I am a social media personality and uh, author and public speaker. Uh, I was doing public speaking a lot before COVID. I wrote a book, this book right here on my shirt and uh it's uh bad choices make good stories my life with autism and uh it's my auto bio of living in multiple different states trying to fit in with many different crowds from black people to gay guys lots of dating and going to jail a few times uh and it's the first book with emojis it has emojis through uh through the whole thing like
0: uh do right there i might actually be able to <laughs> read it then
1: yeah, and the audio book is also available. Uh, I got the audio book. I personally narrated it. Uh, so in that case, you don't need the emojis because I am your emojis. And that's on Audible or uh, com.
0: <clears throat> do you say the emojis out loud when you get to them in the text? Like, do you say you finish the sentence and then you say, like, smiley emoji? How do you handle the, the integration there? Yeah. No
1: for the for the audiobook no you, that's the thing you don't need the emojis for the audiobook because you've got me narrating it so okay, I Okay so you okay got gotcha.
0: so you're, you're, you're yeah. trade off you get one for the other Gotcha all, all right. right Well um what did you uh, what did you have in mind to talk about
1: I've got a whole list here um well first I just want to say I uh, I have a lot of respect for you uh, especially because you're so down to debate people that you disagree with and I think that that's a great quality I think you're massively entertaining Uh, I like a lot of your viewpoints on men and incels and stuff. We'll get to that. And I also, uh, I, um, what else was I going to say? Um, oh, I, I like the fact that, uh, I I mean, I just think there's so much value in, oh, I was going to say that out of everyone on the left that I have ever encountered, I think you seem to really understand the other side's ideology, uh, in a more in a more accurate way than pretty much anybody I've ever encountered on the left. Uh, a lot of people don't understand the other side's ideology, but you do, which I think is really cool. Oh,
0: well, thank you. I, uh, I get accused mm. of the opposite from time to time, but I guess we all feel a little bit misunderstood. Um, yeah, you, you talked no, a little you bit do. about men <laughs> and incels. I do think that it's an under-discussed problem on the left. Um, there's very often the belief amongst people who are progressives or people who are socialists is that the only groups that should really be paid attention to are marginalized ones, which I think is a really counterproductive idea. Not only is it optically bad, you know, um, for many reasons, but the it just doesn't logically follow. Like, you should only be good or kind or helpful to people if they're socially marginalized. It just seems odd to me. So it seems like a problem we should all be invested in trying to address, you know?
1: Yeah, well, what it ends up in, what what ends up happening is eventually... When you focus on the people who are marginalized, it the reverse happens, and the people who were once marginalized become lifted up, and then the people who were once dominant become the people who are marginalized.
0: I don't know <clears> if <throat> I believe that. Or, I mean, maybe that's some far-flung future, but at the moment, I don't think that's happened.
1: Okay. Uh, well, there's a couple things uh, that I've uh, that there's a couple talking points lately that I've really been hounding that I think will make for good conversation between us. Um, I, I I like to fancy myself as very red pilled on the woman issue. Uh, you know, I've I've done I did a lot of dating before I met my girlfriend and a lot of observing of uh, the differences between men and women. And there's some there's a lot of miss misconceptions that I think men tell ourselves about women. To make ourselves feel better to help us sleep at night but i think that a lot of these are just bedtime stories and among them are one that i'm sure you'll agree with is that that women don't like liberals liberal men that's not true at all liberal men get married and date all the time but uh, another one is that women hate each other there's this idea that oh, nobody hates women more than women women hate each other that's sometimes true. Obviously, they can get catty. But much more often, what you actually see if you observe women is women rolling out the red carpet for each other. I think most of the time women treat each other much better than they treat men or even than men treat each other.
0: Uh, like, I got a couple of examples. Like, no, I, th- I, was, I, I was bored on YouTube. No, I want to say, mm-hmm. I think, I, I would say generally that's true. I think that uh, women are socialized to be amicable and, and agreeable. Just generally they are. Um, with men and with women. But if you, generally speaking, if you have two women together, since they've both been um, socialized it to be a little bit more like that, I think maybe there's the possibility of them generally being more friendly to each other. We see a lot of this in the, um, in the social circles that women have. For example, uh, women are much less likely to be homeless and they're more likely to have a place to go if they ever get ousted from their house. I think they have better social connections, like a, a stronger network. I don't think if it's anything like um inherent. I don't think it's a biological thing necessarily. <laughs> I feel like it's uh we, we just we teach men to be alone, you know? We teach men to be very, right. very isolated, very solid uh, solitudinous, very very solitary. Uh and it I think it backfires. Like it really, really hurts guys, I think. Yeah, and one thing
1: I saw you say on the stream is that we need to have we need to encourage kings complimenting each other and giving each other affection it doesn't have to be gay but it it should be more encouraged because it's it discouraged yeah oh one, uh, and i totally absolutely. agree with that.
0: 100%. yeah like because yeah. we do because like wait did, when you were growing up did you did you ever just get compliments from guys or even from anyone really like growing up right you, exactly yeah no i didn't Maybe from, like, friends, like, a couple of times, maybe, but for the most part, that just doesn't happen. I think a lot of guys are worried about complimenting each other because they don't want to come off gay or anything, but it's not just the gay thing. It's also, like, I think it's it's about the constant posturing. Like, they insult each other instead, but the insult's supposed to be, like, friendly. It's like, uh, ah, you sucked, you're looking kind of fat lately. <laughs> but it's, like, a friendly insult. And I get it can be fun, but yeah. you also need sincere compliments to balance that out a little bit, you know? Right. Dude,
1: you're, you're sounding like a, like a mirror image of me. I've said this exact thing. Uh, by the way, I didn't plug my social media. If I can just plug that real quick. It's real Dylan Volk, R E A L D Y L A N V O L K on Instagram, YouTube, uh, and D live. Uh, but anyway, yes, I, um, <clears throat> I totally agree. Men are, men are worried about call, getting called gay. And therefore th- there's this thing in the back of their mind, whether they realize it or not, that they don't want to lean in towards friendship with other men too much or compliment each other i mean look at look at uh, a guy's selfie on social media and look at a girl's selfie a girl's selfie you'll see lines and lines and lines of comments and this is how w- people say women hate each other really look at a girl's selfie oh my god you're so beautiful you look fabulous girl blah 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 you'll see 10 pages of that and on a guy's selfie do you see first of all you'll, very few girls i mean maybe some will, will, but not as much as they'll compliment other girls. And then guys are not going to, so who, who compliments us? Nobody.
0: Yeah. And, and so, I yeah. think <clears throat> and one of the biggest, like, uh, cope posts here from, from guys, I think is they say like, oh sure. Women compliment each other, but they're fake about it. They're being fake complimentary to each other. They actually hate each other on the inside. That's not right. true. I think guys believe that because they don't want to believe that women are capable of being as nice to each other as they actually are. But in female-dominated social circles, um, like, at least from like what I've seen, because I mean, I'm a guy, so whatever, but from what it, it seems like, they're just much more comfortable being kind to each other, in general. Right. Maybe some of it's fake, but a lot of it is just, they're nicer. So when guys see that, we don't want to believe they're actually being nicer. We have to think, like, it's all fake. They're actually as miserable as we are. But it's not. Not. Yeah. You know?
1: It's not it's not fake. And I I also don't buy into this idea that uh, modern women are so miserable. Women are miserable. Uh, But yeah, it's not it's not fake. And even if it is, this is what I've said, even if it is fake, like if women, if women um, being kind to each other and supporting each other is fake, they're doing a pretty good job at it. They're pretty good actresses, if that's true. I mean, there's a thousand battered women's shelters in the country. Uh, and only two accept men, even though domestic violence happens just as often against men as it does against women. Would there be that many men who want to go to a battered, women, uh, battered shelter? Probably not. But the fact is that they don't even accept it if there were. So, yeah, like if women supporting each other is fake. Here's another example. I was bored on YouTube the other day and I came across the video where Oprah gave everybody a car in her audience. Do you remember that?
0: Uh, yeah, that was like the, um, the biggest act of charity in like television history, I think, at that time.
1: Yeah, pretty and pretty groundbreaking. Now, if you look, and she actually uh, filled that audience, she told the her producers to fill the audience with people who desperately needed cars. How they found these people, I don't know, but that's what they did. Now, look in that audience. Do you see a single man in that audience? No, it's a it's a group of a hundred women that she did this ginormous favor for, life changing favor. Now, can you point to any example? Where a man in public did a ginormous life-changing favor for a hundred other men and completely excluded women,
0: oh wait. So with regard to this, there might be a selection bias because I have a feeling that Oprah is generally more popular with women. There might have been a natural bias in the type of audience that they can draw from. I don't really know, but even even if there's the case, there might be instances of like tremendous charity demonstrated here. Yeah, I don't know, like maybe Mr. Beast on YouTube or something. I don't know, like if the if the outliers <clears throat> are are, super indicative of a, of a broader trend but i agree with the existence of the broader trend you know and and one of the ways i don't know because i consider myself a feminist though i don't talk about it too often um mostly because people hate the word feminist you know the concept i get behind yeah but um one of this is one of the ways in which um like the ideas of male supremacy which have existed for a long time turn around and hurt men take the domestic violence shelter thing right Um, the reason why we invest in women's DV shelters, but not men's is in large part because we don't really think of men as being capable of being victims of domestic violence. Like we don't, we think like, it's like, oh, and and it's true that in terms of like injuries sustained, women suffer far more than men. You could argue like men are generally stronger. Sure. But domestic violence is domestic violence. And often when a guy gets beaten or abused by a woman, we like kind of think less of him, you know, like. We'd like make fun of them or like, you know, like, oh, okay. All right. Got beat by your girlfriend. Okay. And that attitude prevents us from investing properly in these kinds of support structures, which is really, really, really damaging to the people who are victimized in that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you have said, well, first of all, so before we move on from this, why do you think it, well, I guess you kind of said because men don't want to, men don't want to think that women can actually be that kind to each other, but why does this myth even exist? You know, I, I posted something about this the other day and my, even my mom, who's obviously a woman, she was uh, telling me, oh no, it's all fake women supporting each other. It's all fake. You know, why does this myth even exist among women?
0: I I think, okay, here's my opinion. Okay. I think when women say shit like that, they're splaining. okay? You know when a super hot guy is like, oh, it's not too different, it's not about looks, it's, you know, just be confident. I think that's what it's like. Women often, not all, but some women, don't realize how much harder it is to socialize as a guy And for that reason, because they don't know where the ground floor is at, they they think where they're at is like not even especially, because a lot of women don't get this. And this isn't their fault. We live in the circumstances we live in. There are guys who have nothing, no one, they have nothing. They they can't talk to their coworkers. Nobody cares about them. Nobody talks. They have nothing, absolutely nothing in the world. Now, there are women like that too, undeniably, but I think there are quite a bit more men. And when men in that position like hear from a woman like, oh, we're all just catty, I don't think that's true. I think that for the most part, the baseline for a woman is going to be way more sociable than the baseline for a man. And you see that backed up in a lot of ways when it comes to social networks, number of friends, when uh, suicide rates, like that kind of stuff, these numbers seem to indicate that men are experiencing a significant problem you know oh yeah uh, i've always said that if women had to be men for a week they would jump off a bridge uh-huh. uh, to an extent <laughs> to an extent i really do believe that in some ways now there are yeah. of course massive benefits to being a man in terms of socialization uh in terms of like professional legitimacy in terms of safety huge huge benefits but in terms of social acclimation I can understand how it would be like super, you know, like really, really, really jarring. Um, ContraPoints, do you know who ContraPoints is? Yeah. ContraPoints actually said this in her video on men, uh, cause she said that she was raised socialized as a man cause she's a trans woman. And she had a, a little bit in the video where she said like, having experienced dating from both sides of things um, a- as a man and as a woman, she's a woman, you know, but you know, socialized as a man and as a woman. Um, I think I would take some of the downsides associated with, with trying to date around as a woman than I would have as a man. Because as a man, nobody cares about you. That doesn't mean, of course, that women don't right. suffer from problems. They do, quite a few. It's just that is a way in which I think men have it worse, the the social element.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No disagreement from me there. The other thing that I feel like men have really struggled with compared to women is advocating for themselves, right? Uh, there was this video I saw... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the video Welcome to Hell on SNL. It's like this song about how women have been, about the Me Too movement and how women have been doing so badly for hundreds of years, and now the Me Too movement has finally shown what they've been complaining about for so long. And I was just watching that, thinking to myself, if, if only men were as good at advocating for themselves as women are. Uh, the men... I, Feel like tend to suffer in silence you know because we don't want to get called names and it's a it's another thing that like a stigma if a man complains or advocates for himself or speaks up says hey this is unfair blah 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 i deserve xyz this isn't right and it's like oh what you're a pussy you can't uh, man up and da, 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 da. and that's that's a huge disadvantage that i think men need to really get over because women have mastered the art of advocating for themselves. Men need to do the same, I think. What well, do you
0: sure. it's, I mean, a lot of it is a bit of a cultural blowback, right? Because for like a billion years, women had essentially no voice in anything, like like nothing. They were completely annulled from public discourse. And lately, of course, that's changed. And I think we're more comfortable talking about women's issues um, today broadly, because usually when we talk about them, they're done in a pretty, um, Affirmative or constructive light. Unfortunately, the men's rights movement has been largely tainted, I think, by a lot of misogyny that makes it very difficult for them to be taken seriously or addressed in the public light. Another big issue, I think, is that when we're talking about men's issues, we're trained to believe men don't need help. Like women, like, do we help women with their issues? I mean, sure, they're women, they need help, but with men, We're supposed to fix these things on our own. And a lot of advocates for men's rights also do this. For example, the term toxic masculinity. It's a really contentious term. I get that. Not everyone likes it. But put to to a name, you know, it's about the idea that men are taught to behave in ways that are hurtful to themselves and the people around them, like being really prideful or like having anger issues or that kind of thing, you know? And when you talk about concepts like that, often people who advocate for men's rights disagree with it but they're disagreeing with an idea that needs to be recognized to help men um and i believe that toxic femininity is a thing to an extent as well but that does get addressed by feminists the types of behavior women engage in that um prevents them from achieving liberation collectively so we need to work together on this you know i think but i don't know how well we're all able to do that when we're so antagonistic to broader gender discourse
1: hmm one thing i would disagree i would agree on the safety issue like i don't usually have to worry about you know sexual assault and things like that getting mugs maybe as much as a woman or stuff like that but wh- what other privileges do you feel like men have because i feel like i'm scratching the bottom of the barrel i don't feel like men i feel like it used to be the case uh but i feel like ever since i've been alive uh men really don't have many privileges other than being stronger Physically, which comes in very little use in modern society. What, what privileges would you feel like
0: men have other than the safety thing? I'd say there are two really big ones, uh, apart from the safety one. Uh, the first one, and this one is decreasing slowly with time, is that men have uh, that most big like halls of power are boys clubs. Uh, whether you're talking big legal firms, the government, whether you're talking major corporations, uh, NGOs, the military, the police—that most of the halls of power are both majority men. And when women try to break into it, they're like boys' clubs. It's like really, really tough to like crack that 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 shell a little bit to break the glass ceiling and get in there. It's like a really long-lasting institutional thing, like an alumni system. And the other one, and this is a little harder to pin down, and this might be one of those things that men can't understand about women the same way women don't really seem to understand the loneliness aspect about men quite as well, the really big thing is that men are taught to be free and women aren't. Women are taught to be really domestic and servile, to sacrifice portions of their life for the benefit of others, for a husband or a boyfriend, for a child, to be deferential, to put their wishes behind the wishes of another person. And this may be one of the reasons why women tend to be more caring, but there are a lot of women out there with dead dreams because they gave up everything for people who didn't care about them as much as they cared about them. And, um, and I think that's really, really sad.
1: I don't feel like that's the case at all anymore. I feel like that maybe was before I was alive, but now I feel like women everywhere you look are, are women are encouraged to and be scientists grow up and do everything that a man can do grow up and be whatever you want to be I, f- I see that message everywhere and also i feel like all those things that you named that are supposedly boys clubs i feel like they would all be super happy and eager to welcome a qualified woman into the ranks because i feel like men in general don't have in-group preference and women do and i feel like any male space is always like happy at best, or at worst, desperate to to get women into it and be including women. That's why I say there's no there's no man who would do like what Oprah did and do that ginormous favor for men, and exclude I women. I feel like men.
0: Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I,
1: I feel like men always want to include women in their spaces generally, or are much more open to it than the other way around.
0: I think men might want to include women in their social spaces. I mean, we all like being around ladies, I suppose. <clears throat> um, but when it comes to like the halls of power, I think there's a pretty I know there are studies on this, for example, in terms of how seriously women are taken in corporate environments, but it really does seem like women just aren't taken as seriously in these places. Um, and what, what is a qualified woman exactly? Uh, very often the mannerisms that women tend to exhibit from the tone of their voice, to the way they speak and walk, to their frame, to their demeanor are considered unprofessional in and of themselves. Take, for example, like, um, like uh the uh, a a boardroom full of uh stock you know uh, uh, stockholders um and the halls of power that exist there, corporate power, you know madmen type stuff we're talking old guys, mostly white sixties seventies these are people whose understanding of power whose belief in power is heavily informed by the biased social structures they were born into now, I will agree with you on one thing if we're talking like um If we're just talking about media, then I would say that, yeah, men and women have achieved parity in terms of how they're presented. We see female empowerment all over the place. In fact, we see it far more than we see explicit male empowerment. If we only looked at media, produced artwork for the world to consume, I feel like it would feel like things are more even or maybe even balanced in favor of women. But I think that imbalance is to compensate for the world we live in which is biased heavily against women. It's like um it's like how black people are disadvantaged in a ton of ways, but if you look at like media, you're going to see pretty much only pro black or pro diversity stuff unless it's explicitly like conservative political spaces. But general neutral spaces mm-hmm. like corporate messaging, it'll be like pro BLM. But then you look at the world you live in and the world you live in is like police brutality, drug war, criminal justice bias and it's like, "Oh my god, the 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 discord between these two worlds is so significant you know
1: yeah okay interesting um why uh there's so many things i want to get to here oh uh, Hmm. one thing i wanted to get to is the um you said on a stream that the the uh manosphere community uh, they used to call it the pickup artist community, but that kind of thing. They promote fake confidence as opposed to real confidence. I think that that was something that was true like 15 years ago when it first started. You remember the show The Pickup Artist on VH1 with Mystery?
0: Yes. Yeah. I rem- Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that I, I feel that like shit. is when it was it was like a checklist of, OK, now when she touches your shoulder, you have to neg her, turn to your side and do this. But then after when I got into it, which is like 2009, 2010, and from there on, it's it's been a, a big active effort. I've seen uh, pretty much all the public figures in that community promote actual confidence and, and kind of go against that competent checklist that you're talking about where it's like, okay, now you have to neg, now you have to do this.
0: Yeah. I... Like
1: see a lot of a lot of
0: Oh wait you <clears throat> wait you cut out. You said yeah. you see a lot of
1: I see a lot, uh, I I haven't looked at this stuff in a while, but like uh, I was into it in like, uh, you know, five years ago and it was, even then it was a lot, pretty much everybody was talking about how you can't have this fake confidence checklist of things. You've got to go for building real, true confidence.
0: Yeah, I guess it really depends on the space you're in because I've, oh man, confidence is a really tough one. I've seen a lot of these pickup artist communities be like infested with, misogyny. Um, not just massage like pro-rape people, like crazy, crazy, like far-right women or subhuman types. But there are also like pro-confidence communities that are a lot more politically neutral. And I, I guess it really depends on where you're getting it from. As a general rule, the checklist thing is super, super dumb, okay? That peacocking shit, where you wear like some loud article of clothing to like attract attention, or you're like doing brain math and like where her pupils are facing so you could calculate how long you have until you have to mention like you, how much money you make, like that shit. It's completely ridiculous. It turns all these guys into paranoid wrecks where they're like jittering constantly, like viewing women as math problems, which they're not. This, <laughs> the confidence is it's it's simple to understand and incredibly hard to achieve. You just have to chill out for a second, yeah. have a baseline awareness of who you are and what you're doing, and just try to be pleasant around people and think that, they are, that you are worthy of their attention, like fundamentally. That's all that it takes. That's the, the work right there, you know? And I think that on the whole, that advice, the tools necessary to achieve that are not best conveyed by pickup artist communities. I feel like they tend to view women adversarially like a challenge to be overcome rather than like a friend to make or, a, or a a, a partner mm-hmm. to, to walk towards, <clears throat> usually, you know? And, yeah, well, I, and I say that by the way, that is because... Oh, sorry. I just want to follow that up with one quick thing. <clears throat> I say that by the way, as like a very anti monogamous, not anti monogamous, that's kind of dumb. I'm not a monogamous person. Hookup culture is totally fine by me. The process of meeting people and trying to like, quickly like like seduce them i don't have a problem with that at all i'm not saying you have to like form a loving marriage with every person you ever make eye contact with i'm just saying i think the process of building that confidence is is not always best achieved through those uh social circles yeah
1: i mean part of it, part of it is that men and women are just so Sometimes their, their nature is so different. I, I've often said this might piss off a lot of uh, right-wing Christian types. Uh, but I've often said if I was God, I would have designed them to be more similar than they are. Uh, I think they're That's just too, they're too for, different. Right?
0: And, <laughs> what? That's what uh, femboys are for, right?
1: Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Bad, um, bad you- joke. Sorry
1: yeah uh you've you've said that uh you you uh you complain about women uh i mean you have some complaints about women. i think i heard on a stream you were kind of just jokingly saying like i complain about women all the time what would you say your main complaints about women are Uh,
0: i i think it can be very cathartic to make general complaints about groups of people including women Uh, As long as you do so in a way that's constructive and doesn't enable like misogynistic attitudes. So, one of the big complaints that I have with women probably is a lot of them don't seem to understand the, um, the, the like loneliness factor or the difficulty in socialization. But it's not like a problem with women. We all grow up with different experiences, with different understandings of the world. And for every issue that I have with like the general behavior of women, I exhibit probably similar problems on the other side of the spectrum you know i know there are issues that i have that i exhibit probably because of the way i was raised like as a guy you know maybe like the pride thing or the like uh feeling like i don't need assistance on issues i clearly need assistance on thing or the posturing that, that like these are probably because i was raised and socialized as a man you know so i'm just saying the complaining is more of like a a light we all have our problems type thing more so than a serious gripe
1: Yeah, it can bring us together,
0: you know. I think so, yeah, I I think so. Because, hey, people complain about men all the time, don't they? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as our criticisms are valid and well-intended. So as long as we're all banting about, you know, I think it brings us together if it's done in the right spirit.
1: Yeah, I was watching, uh, have you ever seen the
0: show on ABC,
1: what we do, they like prank people in public?
0: I don't think so, no.
1: Well, they basically prank people in public and do really like socially inappropriate behaviors and and act and see how people like a hidden camera, how people would react. And there was this guy, there was this one where it was a guy inappropriately uh, hitting on a girl in a bar and being overly aggressive when she clearly wasn't interested. And then he kept like following her and stuff. And uh, uh, there was this, you know, you can imagine what the, the sentiment, the takeaway was, is like, oh, man. Men can be these, these terrible, you know, uh, aggressive uh, predators sometimes. And uh, but the thing is, there's no there's no understanding as to like what like what what men are expected to do is incredibly difficult, you know, like we're expected to make all of the first moves and all the initiation, and that's fine, you know, I understand that, but it's incredibly difficult to do that, many men are not able to do it. I mean, it's a very tough game, and there's no understanding of like uh, like an analogy is basically what you're what you're expecting men to do for companionship is basically like the equivalent of like be like a, a basketball player who can who can like dunk half the shots he makes and a lot of people just aren't that good at that very difficult game and but there's no there's no compassion there's and there's also no resources in public anyway you have to go on like reddit or the internet or something there's no public resources to help them get better at game it's they're just expected to know it and if not well screw them and you better not transgress or Do anything inappropriate while you're attempting to be good at this game. Otherwise, we're all going to fucking come at you for, uh, you know, protecting in favor of protecting the women. You know, do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think there. I have two main points on this, I think. The first one is I agree that (sighs) (sighs) trying to hit on girls is really, really hard. Um, I'm uh, pansexual, so I get along with everyone, I guess. And flirting with men is incredibly easy, you know? You can just walk up to a guy and, like, shake his hand and then just, like, just wrap your arm around him and just head right. on off, you know? It's just <laughs> very, very straightforward. Um, very direct conversation. Not that there. I've done that, but yeah. Right, right of course. No homo, yeah. <clears throat> um, but it, very, very straightforward. <laughs> with women, there's, like, this whole game. And I understand why that game exists. It's because a lot of women are... Oh, it's... Oh, God, there's so much I want to say here. So it's two main things, okay? Women... Are hard to get relative to men, but there are reasons for it. And the two biggest ones are A, women are taught that giving sex up easily makes them lesser people, and B, women are at a greater risk of sexual violence. So they're at at a greater risk hooking up than we are. When I like hook up with a Tinder date and I go over to like her house, I feel totally comfortable, like completely unthreatened. I've never even thought if I show up, the only thing I'm nervous about is like the process of hooking up with a person. You know, like, ah, first time, whatever. I'm never thinking I might be in danger here. That is 24-7 on the minds of women when they hook up with somebody new. I get why they're hesitant. And um, and so I, I know why this game exists. The way to address it, or the way to make it easier, I think, is to lessen some of the the features that make women afraid. <laughs> and one of the best ways that we can do that is, it sounds really, really dumb, I don't think a lot of men know what consent is. Just from the conversations that I've seen online, I think a lot of men legitimately have no idea what it means to have like a person want to have sex with you because they aren't taught it. They just they know what having sex is and they know like that it's good when the woman wants it, but there's like this muddled like they don't really know like how to see or confirm and I think that makes them behave poorly to say the least and that makes women nervous. So it's a problem. I agree. Seducing women is hard, but to fix it, it's not just about becoming more confident. It's about encouraging everyone to behave in ways more amicable to safe uh, hookups. I think that would make things a lot better. The dating scene, at least, you know?
1: Interesting. Well, we're agreeing on more than I thought we would. Hey.
0: No, uh, I, I, I'm happy to have the conversation. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on, Happy to have the conversation.
1: Another, uh, here's a big controversial myth that I, that I've been banging the drum on for years that I get a lot of pushback, uh, for. All right, get ready for it. I don't think that women generally give a shit about money. And you see this idea everywhere. Oh, women, it, they want money. They're gold diggers there. You got to be rich. I've never met a woman who gave a shit about money. Never. What, what do you think? <clears throat>
0: i'm sure there are some i do think it's a huge over overblown stereotype though the idea that being super wealthy gets you um gets you the girl super duper easy i there i mean i'm sure there are some people like that but i think for the most part actually okay wait here's can i share a thought with you really quick you know how in like the red pill incel forums they talk about how like hot women only go out with like giga chads who are seven feet tall with like monster cocks and they make six figures and all that stuff you know 80 the 80 20 thing yeah 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 the 80 20 thing in reality i feel like so often i see couples and the woman is gorgeous and the guy looks like an ogre and and the guy's not even rich you know the guy is just that confident or that personable or that sociable you know I really do well, feel that confidence is king. So I have no idea what women are thinking sometimes with the people they hook up with. But it it's like I people vastly underestimate how important confidence is and vastly overestimate how important everything else is, uh, which is sad well, because confidence is the one thing everybody can work on at least a little bit, you know?
1: Well, I should have I should have followed it up with what they do care about is how a guy makes them feel. They care about feelings. To the extent that women care about money, like if you're a billionaire, you can probably get a girl relatively easily, to the extent that that's true, I think that that's completely understandable because I think money generally reflects several good traits in a person: hard work, ambition, intelligence, creativity, uh, resilience. Uh, you know, somebody who's been very successful in life, assuming that they didn't just inherit the money or something. Most, you know, most people who are rich, it's because they're very smart, creative. Those things I just mentioned. What's wrong with being attracted to that? And but but so to the extent that women care about money, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think they usually don't. They care about feelings. To care about money would be, actually be a very logical thing, and women don't think that logically. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they care about a, a guy's personality, how a guy makes them feel. And generally, I would say with the guys that are, look like ogres with beautiful women, anytime I've ever met an unattractive, you know, physically unattractive-looking guy who, who had a hot girlfriend, I can immediately understand why as soon as he opens his mouth. And he's always has game it's the personality and i can i can see clearly why a woman is with him
0: no it's yeah no it's it's funny because the the red pill line is like women are hypergamous and they are biologically designed to seek out the male that provides them the most utility that's why they look for money first and foremost that's why they go with the alpha chad with the money and the big dick when they're young and then later on they go with like the beta who will like um raise their children or whatever but in reality and here's my okay i think that everyone's super emotional when dating okay people will let their lives get fucking ruined okay by a, a person they're sufficiently attracted to or like makes them feel a certain way like a lot of like people be like oh like why do girls go out with like shitty jocks who just abuse them that is a thing that happens that's totally true but i have known so many guys who ruin their lives with like a hot mess like a girl who sleeps on a mattress with no sheet on the on the floor with dog shit all over the <laughs> carpet in her like studio apartment but who who does the makeup and the heels and he will just let his life get ruined by this person um and so i i don't know honestly i think humans are really bad at picking out like mating partners with each other which is which is probably not great yeah. but I
1: don't know. Which is why they had arranged marriages for many.
0: Oh, they probably I mean they probably weren't too happy either. But if nothing else, I guess that simplified the process. But I feel like I feel like it would all be so much easier if we could get together and we could just like revel in the shared humanity of how much dating sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if we (laughs) Yeah. all, All of us just but not in like a men versus women way, but just in a like we we all hold hands and we're like, damn. This shit sucks. All of it does. Yeah, and maybe we can like fall in love with the person whose hand we're holding. I don't know. You know.
1: Yeah. One time, uh, one time, I had a girl actually uh, call the cops on me for harassment because I was texting her over and over again. And then uh, a month later, she uh, she unblocked me on Facebook, uh, and then I apologized to her. And then she ended up coming over to my house that night and sleeping with me. A girl who had called the cops on me.
0: <clears throat> I, yeah I can't I, I have so I know Well, I will say this much by the way um, this is you know how like there are experiences women and men have that they don't share with each other so we just kind of grow up and we don't really know how it is on the other side I spent my whole adolescence learning about like crazy bitch ex-girlfriend stories I heard them all the time every guy had one of these stories my ex-girlfriend was like this my ex-girlfriend was like that all the time but and I didn't realize this until I started interacting with the guys. Women have the same stories, but they're so much scarier. I feel like for guys, the story is like, my crazy bitch ex-girlfriend like lied about me, or like humiliated me, or took my money, or something. And all the cr- crazy ex-boyfriend stories are like, I nearly died? He showed up at my house at 3 a.m. in a car and honked at my front for 15 minutes before throwing a rock through the bedroom window with a note attached to it saying that he was going to kill me. Like, it's like, like, oh, my God. I just, because I know. It's like crazy. I had, like, high school friends who were girls, you know? And and I, I thought they were just living normal lives. And I heard one day, like, oh, they broke up with their boyfriend. Okay. A couple years later I talk with them and I was like, Yeah, whatever happened. And she's like, Oh, yeah, well, one time we were had an argument. He choked me for a second. And after that, I had to like kick him out. It's like, What? You didn't that's what happened? What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I have yeah. I um yeah, I don't know. I just it I, I just feel like there are a lot of parallels across across the board here, you know?
1: yeah yeah definitely um so you said you were at uh you said you were at politicon uh i was there and i oh no i I want to be there
0: i couldn't go there because of covid but i want to go there next uh next year
1: oh politicon is the best i was so sad when they didn't have it last year i love politicon i would love to see you on stage with one of those debates with sally Cohn
0: or something (laughs) yeah sure. sure with my reputation i have to show up wearing a bulletproof vest or something jesus yeah. Um, no, I, I'd, be, I'd be happy to go. I'd love to look some of these people in the eye while arguing with them. The only person I've ever done an IRL debate with was um, was Destiny. It was like a super, super, um, like, low-key, uh, like, quiet debate. Um, but it'd be funny to argue with some people, like, face-to-face, you know, so I can, like, try to mog them <coughs> with my large piercing eyes. Yeah. Oh, Jesse Lee Peterson. I did... Jesse Lee Peterson and Tim Pool. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm totally blanking. I did Jesse Lee Peterson and Tim Pool. My bad. My bad. Those were more like oh, interviews yeah, yeah. than debates, though, I think. I,
1: you know, I was in the audience when you did the Jesse Lee Peterson because I worked at, I worked for him for a couple you of years. You were? <clears throat> I was there, dude. Yeah, we met.
0: Holy shit. Wait. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We, didn't we shake <laughs> hands? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh, one my God. I'm there. sorry. <laughs> it was like a year and a half. I have a really <laughs> yeah. bad memory. That's awesome. Okay. Well, well then there we go. I've, I've seen you before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't really know who you were at the time, but uh, after I became a fan
1: afterwards. But yeah, I was his guest booker for a couple of years. I know Kelly booked you, but uh, most of the guests I there in the last few years, I uh, I booked like a lot of people on. I booked uh, I booked Sally Cohn. I booked uh, Chink Uger, Kyle Kalinsky, all those progressive guys. And um, <clears throat> I booked Bill O'Reilly. That was probably my
0: biggest one. You got Bill O'Reilly? <clears throat> Jesus Christ. How much did how much money did you yeah. send with the email? Did you did you did you send like a, a QR I, code I, uh, to a Bitcoin wallet filled with like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars? Jesus, that's a big guest. Yeah. I also got,
1: do you know Dr. Laura Schlesinger? She used to be on the radio.
0: I think so. Dr. Schlesinger sounds familiar to me. Hold on.
1: Uh, she used to yell at people on the radio. She used to be big in like the nineties and two thousands, the Dr. <clears throat> Laura program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard of this. Oh, I recognize your <clears throat> face. Yeah. Yeah. She has the fairy, the pixie cut thing. Yeah.
1: So you, you, uh, they've, they've called you a debate bro. And you, you seem to really, uh, value the depressive debate even with people that you, you really far disagree with. how do you think it is that, and I experienced this firsthand, my job was you know, to book, he, Jesse liked to have people he disagreed with on his show, so my job was to hunt down liberals 24-7 and try and get them on his show. And I saw that most of them uh, are generally unwilling to debate much more than the other side. Why do you think that is? <clears throat>
0: um, so... I care a lot about the things I believe, and I want as many people as possible to believe them as well. And I think most people who have political beliefs should share that, that we want to you know, propagate our system of belief. What I found when I started going online and participating in politics is that left-leaning people, whether we're talking liberals, socialists, whatever, really didn't seem interested in breaking into most of the mediums by which you spread an idea they would make video essays where they would like for 40 minutes, they would go on and on about like an idea. And they're good video essays. I'm not knocking that. They're helpful. But there are wide avenues that a lot of people on my side just don't seem comfortable with. I think a lot of that is because they're a little bit complacent. You know, oh, my ideas are correct. Why should I even bother engaging with other ones? Which I think is very, very arrogant. Um, I think a lot of that also probably comes down to the fact that the left-leaning demographic tends to be younger and less prone to confrontation. If you take a look at like um, a matrix of which characteristics make a person prone to aggression, you're going to find a lot of characteristics that don't overlap heavily with predominantly left-leaning communities. Usually the loudest, most aggressive people are going to be white men, straight, cisgender, um, because these are people who have a little bit less to fear maybe. Um, so I thought, given this whole environment, maybe it would be nice to, uh, show people it's possible to be left-leaning and still be confrontational, still be edgy, still be, you know, uh, a little bit daring? It sounds like kind of circle jerky to say that about myself, but if you've seen how much drama I've gotten myself into, I think that quality stands on its own. There are a lot of left-leaning people who are so careful, they tread around broken glass so, so, so lightly. But you can only go so far while engaging in that kind of rhetoric. Eventually, you need to be willing to take big rhetorical risks to make plays. The right does this all the time. So the left should be willing to do it too, at least a little bit. Well, I've seen
1: in some uh, some leftist kind of uh, inside conversations that they were actually acknowledging that leftists are not as good at rhetoric. Not that they're Wrong or uh, that, the, that the right is right. The right is just better at rhetoric that's convincing to people, and the left is not as good at that. Do you, is that something you would agree with? And if so, what do you uh, like?
0: What? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think it's much easier to sell simple. This is going to sound conceited, but this is my belief: to sell simple lies than it is to sell complicated truths. Now you can sell complicated truths, or sorry, you can sell simple truths. Bernie Sanders did that really well. Did Bernie Sanders go on and on about Marxism-Leninism or about, like, the labor theory of value? No, 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 no. Uh, Bernie Sanders spoke on very simple issues, important issues, and people liked him for it. But a lot of left-leaning people get, get caught up, they get trapped in this aesthetic of academic or pseudo-academic engagement that makes them insufferable to the average person. It's not that they read and that's a problem. It's good to read. It's just that they they forget how to talk to normal people. If when I imagine like a right wing pundit, I imagine somebody who is deeply in touch with what an American wants to hear. That's what people like Tucker Carlson, what people like Rush Limbaugh, what people like Bill O'Reilly do. You know, even if what they say is BS. Like Enoch. Uh, to an extent. I mean, yeah. If you're a neo Nazi, then yeah, the people want to hear that too. <laughs> um they they say things people want to hear they're good about that um but people on the left they aren't quite as good at that they say what they want to say they're not as good at meeting people where they are so these are things we okay. need to get better at we need to meet people where they <clears throat> are you're reminding me a lot of uh are you a fan of ben burgess i have some disagreements with him but he's done some spectacular work that i really appreciate yeah have you ever seen the interview i uh i booked him on the jesse lee peterson show did you see that believe it or not i did but it was a little while ago um i don't remember all of its contents yeah that that is
1: when if you're ever bored sometime the audience after you're done watching this stream Ben burgess and jesse lee peterson there they could they could have a talk show those two the dynamic is so hilarious
0: yeah i remember <laughs> there being ben burgess is a uh... What would you call him? Uh, very. Um, what's the, what's the right term for this? Ben is very. Um, feel like bouncy with his engagement, you know, like like yes and like he can run with, he can run with a conversation pretty well, which I appreciate. Uh, it's been a long time since I've now, seen that. Now do you? But- <clears throat>
1: Do you Love think this, that uh, there's a Jew? Do you think that there's a Jewish quality of being like skilled at debating? You know the verbal intelligence thing. Because one thing I noticed in that Ben Burgess interview is like when when he when Jesse is like, "Is the system working for you? Why are you a socialist?" And he goes, he he goes, it's "Working okay for me." Now tell me why it's relevant. And he goes, "Let's let's just say it is working for me." Why is it relevant? You know that very. Debatey kind of conversation style And I'm mostly Jewish myself and I feel like I
0: feel like I I feel like uh, I feel like it is with me (laughs) I will say I will say this much Um, I think that in so to say Jewish culture is always going to be a little bit simplistic Because there are many uh, fractals many aspects to Jewish culture um, I grew up amongst many Jewish people, and if there's a general tendency that I would be comfortable making a generalization about, it would be this. I think that Jewish people are very, very funny. I think there is something about the experiences that they have had generally as a culture that has refined their sense of humor down to a a, a rapier's point. Um, th- which Which is why I think we have many Jewish comedians in this country, and I think they do spectacular work for the most part maybe barring Adam Sandler, you know, we, everyone has our exceptions, but I think, I I think that generally there's, there's an appreciation for quick wittedness. If you take a look at old Jewish stories as well, there's a recurring archetype of a person in an unjust system who is not strong, but is very clever and very quick witted. And by knowing his oppressor, he circumnavigates the circumstances of his oppression like a trickster, but not malicious, always kind, always considerate, always careful. It's a very common Jewish archetype and one that I'm fond of. I think that an appreciation for these characteristics probably lend many Jewish people towards a propensity for media um, because comedy is the soul of almost all forms of engagement. Now that I'm not referring to some like super coordinated cabal or anything, but I think that there is a, um, a tendency there And I think it's motivated, oh, sorry, just need my my microphone. I think it's motivated just by a a set of cultural conditions that express themselves following thousands of years of persecution. Um, Mm. I I had a lot of Jewish friends back when I grew up. Hopefully I can do that justice. But yeah, it's just an opinion I have.
1: Yeah, that sounds right on to me. Um, One thing I've always wondered is, uh, you know, um, Oh, actually, let's talk censorship first, because Ben Burgess is actually one of the few people on the left that's totally anti-big tech censorship. Uh, what do you think about that?
0: <clears throat> um, it is unfortunate how much control uh, big tech has over um, our general discourse. The idea that conservatives are being like censored on social media is super not true. You can take a look at whichever posts, like, get the most circulation on Facebook at any given, uh, day, and, like, 90% of them are, like, huge conservatives, like, Candace Owens or Ben Shapiro. Those
1: are, yeah, but those are mainstream conservatives. I would say it's, like, the, the alt-right that's been sent, the alternative. Oh, sure, yeah, well.
0: Oh, sure, the far-right. I mean, they do it to themselves, don't they? Um, social media websites have TOSs that prevent stuff like racism and they're racist. So I guess they get hit with it. Um, I mean, this is kind of like a open up the bag with a dead burden type situation. Like what do you expect? Right. I'm okay with big tech and their websites having terms of service that preclude forms of hateful harassment or abuse, because I think that makes it easier for people to use these sites. And I think it's a pro free speech position. Because free speech will always remain an illusion if you allow black people to share a social space with people who want to hang black people, um, the, like free speech cannot exist in that environment. You have to preserve an element, an atmosphere of some baseline level of of decorum, of of civility. Um, so yeah, I, in that case, I mean they get themselves axed from these programs, but I don't think it's because they're being specifically targeted. They just keep flagging the rules, you know.
1: But like, uh, like they banned. Gavin McInnes and Milo Yiannopoulos many years ago right these are people that never talk about things like the Jewish question don't even talk about race and IQ and then they had David Duke on there up until just a couple months ago so I feel like it's very not consistent you know I I would be totally fine if there was specific guidelines that says this is exactly what you can and can't say but it's not like that well there's never going to be very
0: opaque There's never going to be a perfectly consistent application of TOS violations. It's Realistically, if you're on Twitter and you get banned, it's because you got a certain number of reports. I think the reason why Milo Yiannopoulos and Gavin McGinnis did is because they were more overt, like with their their visual participation in engaging in harassment. Yeah, Milo engaged a huge harassment campaign against a black woman. I think that's what got him. Hmm. And Gavin McGinnis is aligned with a white nationalist terrorist organization. Now, of course, so is David Duke. David Duke is also aligned with a white nationalist terrorist organization. To me, the solution to that would be we should ban more of these far right types, so we can be consistent about it. You know, um, but uh, yeah, in terms of like, will they always ban at like the same times? Like for all, I, probably not. No, but these sites are never going to be perfect about that sort of thing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, they banned Richard Spencer, who uh, the the worst thing that they Isn't ever Richard quote Spencer Richard Spencer is saying is that he. Twitter? uh he's on twitter but extremely shadow banned to the point where he can't even gain followers but they ban him on every other platform but the worst thing that he's ever said is uh talked about a peaceful ethnic cleansing and he's never said anything and that wasn't even on social media that was like a decade ago that he said that and i think he was quoting somebody too but he's he he's extremely if you actually listen to him he's extremely like polite and moderate he doesn't say anything well, violent he doesn't
0: say it well he's polite and moderate in his behavior his political prescriptions are those of a nazi Politeness doesn't really factor into the application of the TOS, right? We saw that when Milo Yiannopoulos, God bless him, leaked that uh, audio from after Charlottesville. where like, Richard Spencer tries his best mm-hmm. to play this like, you know, buttoned up collar, like nice guy. You know, I'm your friendly neighborhood neo-Nazi. But then the leaked audio, he's like, these fucking, he's like screaming racial slurs and like anti-Semitic slurs and stuff. And that's what he really is. You know, you can dress a Nazi up. You can you know put makeup on a piece of dog shit if you want but at the end of the day their ideas are harmful and i'm okay with them receiving a proportionate level of social displacement um i mean i don't know about him being banned on twitter i don't know what a shadow ban would necessarily constitute as for other platforms i'd have to look at the specifics of what led to him being banned there you know Interesting. So you would not be for them being regulated as a
1: utility, and basically only speech that literally violates the law and goes against
0: is that the First Amendment does not cover uh, being subject to banning. <clears throat> um, it could be regulated as a utility. The problem is, I think a lot of people underestimate how extensive harassment law can apply when you're falling under the purview of the um of the uh, uh of United States like case law. So, for example, a lot of what the alt-right types get banned for off social media would get them thrown in jail if they said it to somebody's face. There are ways in which you can use language to, um, even with our First Amendment protections, you can be arrested for engaging in harassment. I mean, if you walk up to a Jewish person start screaming like, anti-Semitic slurs at them, you can absolutely go to jail for that depending on the ways in which you do it and a bunch of circumstances. So it's important to remember they've gotten off easy because of the internet. The internet has been kind to them. In reality, if we deferred all of their behavior exclusively to the purview of the United States government, in all likelihood, quite a few more of them would be sitting inside of a jail cell. So, you know, be careful with what you wish for. I'm happy Mm. that the internet is selective with the, um, types of people it allows to participate in public discourse. I'm not happy with who gets to choose who's allowed, but I am happy that there is a choice to be made, you know? Hmm.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, Would you ever debate somebody like uh, Mike Enoch? Because I have to say, I would
0: pay to see you guys debate. He backed out of the debate. Um, I, I was supposed to debate him. It was a 2v2 debate with myself and Destiny versus Mike Enoch and Stryker. Um, but Enoch pulled out. He dodged, and um, he got replaced by James Alsop. And Mike Enoch, to put it lightly, was extremely lucky that he backed out of that. So I doubt he'll be interested <laughs> in having that conversation in the future. Though, to be honest, uh, I, should, I did not know that. I should say though, he he said he had some prior engagement. I can't know if he's being truthful with that. It felt like a dodge, but I can't know that for a fact. I will say though. As time has gone on, I haven't been as amicable to the idea of like engaging in those types of discussions because I don't benefit from it, and they do. My platform is huge at this point. I have access to all social media now that I'm a band from Twitch, but alt-writers would be lucky to get even a fraction of the exposure that I could offer them by having them on my platform. So I have to wonder sometimes, to what extent <laughs> does debating them, even if it's fun, I like the debates, I, I love arguing with people I dislike, uh, I dislike and disagree with. To what extent am I bolstering them just by giving them the platform? Because I've seen this happen before. If you debate one of these types, even if you roll them, I mean, even if they get crushed, then they go on and they talk about it for months and they get engagement and media attention because they talk to me and they're like, oh, God, you debate this whole thing. I noticed this happened a lot with the tankies that I disagreed with, too. Like these little, like, Stalinist accounts, and they have no support, no followers. They come on here and debate me. And then after they leave, even though they get rolled, all of a sudden, like a bunch of their contemporaries race up to defend them. And they're like, yeah, you owned Vosh. And then they get more attention for it. So it's really up to like a calculation I have to make on the optics and the utility of having a conversation with somebody. Does that make sense? It's like a case by case thing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I would just say you've done it. You've done it enough that you've kind of uh, earned my respect and earned your stripes at it. I mean, you, you... even if you never did it again, you've already done it so many times, so I, I give you credit for that. I was Thank also you. the one who booked you on, I, I also booked you on the Hake Report, do you remember that? Yeah, wait, how much of my,
0: how much of my career are you responsible for exactly? you just been like in the shadows, <laughs> yeah. organizing, Jesus, you're arranging all the pieces yeah. to give me the road for, I appreciate that. So it was a good conversation.
1: That's the Jewish, the Jewish stereo, the Jewish stereotype come to light. I'm, I'm yeah. the, uh, the puppet master. The, the JQ, <laughs> more
0: like the Volk Q, coming in hot from yeah. the shadows. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm terribly sorry to run it down. We're coming up on an hour now, and I have some stuff that I promised my audience. Do you have a, a, a final topic or a question that you want to hit on? Um, would you debate Richard Spencer? I would also love to see that. Um, uh, he feels like so irrelevant now. I would have to think about it. Principally, I'm not opposed to it. It would be intra I think I would mostly just want to like ask him about the leaked audio. Um, and you know, like, hey, <clears you throat> kind of played it being civil for a while, but you sound kind of crazy here, you know? But on the other hand, he's irrelevant. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to think about it.
1: All right. Yeah. No. I think we pretty much uh, hit on most things. I just want to, if I can plug my book again. You, if you thought that story about the girl calling the cops on me and then coming over to my house and sleeping with me was interesting, there is much, much more where that came from. Uh dot com, and the audiobook is on Audible, narrated by me. Uh, bad choices make good stories. My life with autism, and my social media is uh, real Dylan Volk. That's R E A L D Y L A N V O L K. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on.
0: <clears throat> thank you. I um I appreciate you coming on, seriously. And thank you. C- c- please from the from behind the scenes continue to manipulate uh the world to to allow <laughs> me to, to rise. I really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Sounds good. Later. You take
0: care now. <clears throat>